What is good, all of our listeners and viewers? Welcome back to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. And I'm Liz. And we got our second dose of the vaccine. Hooray! We're here there. Uh, we're here uh, talking about can retro games, uh, can they work in modern games with our special guest, Andrew Orsi, who also got his second dose and is two weeks out of the day. Woo-hoo! But first, we got some segments for you. Yes, we do. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am exhausted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sore and yeah. tired. Like, I'm really tired. Yes. Like, just doing that intro, I was uh, I, I was going all over the place in my mind. I'm like, ah, okay, here <laughs> we are. Uh, I also did a guest spot last night uh, yeah. with uh, Greatest Story I Ever Played podcast. So, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, we were recording, and I'm like, oh, I'm not fine, am I? Yeah. So... Yeah, but your yeah. your symptoms hit you a little later than mine did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially today at work, it was just yeah, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, a lot. But you know, here here we are. We we're we're doing it. We got the vaccine, so mm-hmm. uh, good stuff. But you know, yeah. why don't we get the show started though? We got our good friend Andrew Orsi on the show. Yeah. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Super fun. So let's get the show started. But if you want to hear us ramble on some more, uh, we got another podcast for you. It's called What's the Biz? Uh, it comes out every Tuesday. Uh, and you can check it out. Me and Liz just ramble on about random stuff. So uh, go give that a listen if you want to hear more of that, I guess. But we want to remind everybody that we're on social media. We're on Twitter at Gaming Groceries, or you can follow us individually. I'm at Ace to Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. Or you can follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word, because I share pictures sometimes, but I also ask you a question about the uh, about the topic on the podcast. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Uh, I will ask you a question on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, pertaining to the topic that we will have on this very show, and I want to hear your feedback on it. But you can also join the Discord. Hooray! Woo-hoo! We got some great people on there, like Felix Check. We got Andrew Orsi on there. We've got Volt Supreme. We've got uh, that Commander Nikki on there. We got a whole lot of people up on the uh, Discord. So join in. Uh, link is in the description down below. Join the Discord. Have a good chat. It mm-hmm. is what it is. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hey, how you doing? Uh, don't forget to just hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that you know when all these episodes come out. And uh, don't forget to re- review us and give us a rating mm-hmm. on your favorite podcast platform. All right. Business out of the way. That was yeah. great. Cool. Uh, I think it's time to jump into our first segment. What do you think? I agree. All right. Let's just go ahead and do that with our first segment. Movie Minutes. Movie Minutes is a segment that we talk about the movies that we watched in the past week or be on Netflix, Hulu, or HBO Max. And we like to give you a recommendation or not a recommendation. Uh, here on the Games Groceries podcast, we got a five-point scale of how to recommend a movie to you. Uh, we start at, oh, avoid at all costs. Eh, pass. Enjoyable, solid, and perfect for us. Uh, so this week's movie is actually found on HBO Max now. I have not seen this film yet. Uh, it came out in theaters uh, during the pandemic. And I didn't get to see it and didn't buy it on Blu-ray or anything. And it's finally on HBO Max. What movie am I talking about? Uh, it's Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, yep. Uh, Tenet is now on HBO Max uh, starting sometime early May, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just the beginning of May. Yeah. So Tenet is now on there. I have not seen it. Didn't see it in theaters because pandemic yeah uh so if you haven't seen it we're about to give our recommendation so out of that five point scale liz what did you give it i gave it an enjoyable um now to give it a little bit i wasn't paying attention in the first 10 minutes 
I was organizing. Um, but other than that, it was even knowing what happened in the first 10 minutes, like, cause I was still paying attention and Adam was like telling me things. It was very confusing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it was supposed to be confusing. Like they, they basically tell you that it's supposed to be confusing. But mm-hmm. for me, if I can't even tell you what anything about it, like if I can't tell you anything that's going on or why or what, mm-hmm. it's too confusing. But you could tell that they put a lot of time and energy into it. And it, I think if you could follow it, it's a good movie. But it was confusing for me. Yeah, you gave it enjoyable because of the work that went in. Mm-hmm. I also gave it enjoyable. And I really wish, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Uh, and I really wish I could give this a solid recommendation. Mm-hmm. I gave it an enjoyable because, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll go into my reasons why, but we go, both gave it, eh, it's enjoyable. Yeah. I wouldn't say pass. Yeah. If you really like Christopher Nolan, I think you should be able to enjoy this. Yeah. Now, I want to go on my notes here. First things first is that the first thing that really stuck out to me personally was that the soundtrack, the, the movie score it bops. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a great soundtrack. It's a great score. It's a great film score. I like the way it progresses. I like how it uh, kind of uh, feels the moment. Now, keep in mind though, uh, this whole movie is uh, signature Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. and the music is way higher than the dialogue. Yeah. So there's that. But then it was just I was just thinking about it. Like, it doesn't really sound like music from usual Christopher Nolan, and it isn't. Uh, when I was researching this movie, it's actually uh, this uh, usually, by the way, usually it's Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. doing the soundtracks or, or the scores, the film score for Christopher Nolan films. But this guy, Ludwig uh, Ludwig uh, Gorensen, I think his name is pronounced Ludwig uh, Gorensen, who is a Swedish composer. Mm-hmm. And I think this is his first Christopher Nolan film. The, he is doing the the film score for Tenant, mm-hmm. but interestingly enough, he also did the uh, sound score for Mandalorian, Fruitvale Station, and drumroll please, brrr, New Girl. Woo-hoo! He did the score for New Girl. I love New Girl. It's and, one of my favorite shows. And Communities and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy has done... He's got range. He's got a lot of range from New Girl to Mandalorian to Fruitfield Station to Black Panther to Tenant. Yeah. The the music in here is yeah. bopping. I loved it. I loved the film score. Mm-hmm. That That's one thing I did enjoy. Um, but that was an interesting fact that I found out. But uh, moving on is that the plot is... Okay. My second note. Okay, we all know Christopher Nolan. He likes to put in convoluted plots. That's a that's a given. Now, when people ask, is this more convoluted than Inception? Here's my answer for that. This is just at the plot, okay? The plot is the basic plot. Is just as convoluted as Inception. Now, now keep that in mind. It's just as convoluted. However, what makes Tenant different is that there's more rules and factors. Yeah. That go into the plot yeah. that make it more complex. That's yeah. not necessarily a good thing. It just is what it is. Inception's easier to follow, and Inception's pretty hard to follow. Yeah, um, and that's the thing is that this has a lot more rules and a lot more factors, mm-hmm. but the plot is just as complex as Inception. Yeah. yeah. But if, if it didn't have these many factors into it yeah. and rules, mm-hmm. I think it would have been easier to follow. Do you agree? Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. I also think 
part of the confusion, at least for me, was the different accents. Yes. Throughout, like they they have different you know different actors from different countries, and they all had different accents. And when they're trying to explain how things work, I I couldn't like it was hard for me to understand what they were saying because they're talking in their accent, but they're also talking like a human being, so they're like blurring through words and yeah. slurring and things like that. So I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to this movie. And I really wish I could follow it, but I was following it uh, perfectly. I was following it perfectly until maybe about around halfway through the film. There was um, there was an interrogation scene, and, and oh, that just, was so. Con- at, at that point, both of us were like, "What?" Um, I'm like, <laughs> I am completely lost because there there was inverted weapons. There was an arms dealer. Uh, I know the purpose why we need to do this and a whole, um, you know, yeah. time loop thing. I get that part. And then the interrogation happened and I'm just, okay, well, this is just, th- this is just gone way it too was, far. It, you start to lose track of where they are and as a whole. And that brings me to my final note is that you said this before. Uh, there's a line in the beginning in the movie and a lot of people have already quoted this and now I see why, uh, there's a quote that says, don't try to understand it, just feel it. Mm-hmm. And this is in the first, uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And this is when the plot is being explained mm-hmm. by a, um, a physicist, I believe. Some, she's some sort of scientist. Yeah. And, uh, she just uh, is trying to explain inverted weapons, but there's a line that says, don't try to understand it. Just feel it. And this is just more advice for the audience mm-hmm. to say that, hey, this script is way beyond Inception, way beyond Interstellar, yeah. way beyond Memento. And <laughs> it, it, it's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And what Christopher Nolan is saying, like, hey, man, just enjoy the ride. Don't try to see how the engine works. Yeah. Basically. But at the same time, there's some people out there who are very interested in engines and that's how they have a good time. But yeah, man, what do you think? No, I completely like I, I mean, when we were watching the movie, I said, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel where I'm like, but for me to enjoy this, I have to know what's going on. If I don't understand what's going on, why am I watching it? Yeah. Like, that's how I feel about it. So I feel like I was on that end of the spectrum where I'm just like, I need to know what's going on to to un- to like enjoy it. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I miss half the movie by not understanding what's happening. So. I think that can end it there, but we both give it enjoyable. Yeah. It's not solid. It's not a pass. It's just, it is what it is. If you mm-hmm. like Christopher Nolan. If, if you, you like puzzles. Yeah, if you <laughs> like puzzles. And and understand that this is beyond Dunkirk, right? Where Dunkirk, like all of his other movies, uh, you could understand it by the end. Everything kind of ties itself together. But this one is just, what happened? I don't even think he knew what was going on. Yeah, the actors didn't know. Yeah. Literally, if your own actors don't know what's happening... Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I don't know. So that's our brief review of Tenant. It's now on HBO Max. Yeah. Go check it out for yourself. See if you get it better than I did. And maybe you can explain it to us. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch it again and just to see. Yeah. Kind of like Inception where they're like, you get it more once you've watched it a couple times. Yeah. So I definitely want to watch it again. But, you know, that's our brief review. Yeah. So that brings us to our gaming news section. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just go ahead and get into that section with our second segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw in the past week. And we like to rank it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of, hey, what's going on in the gaming industry? Oh, wow. There's a lot that happened. There was? Uh, 
kind of. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of interesting things that happened mm-hmm. this week, and uh, I want to actually get into it. This is a very minor piece of gaming news. Yeah. And I, a lot of people might say, like, well, Adam, why did you pick this? First of all, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. So that's one thing. And number two, uh, there's actually an interesting point that can be taken from this piece of news. It's about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Hooray! It's coming out soon. Yay! Am I going to get it? No. But, uh, well, for one, uh, we're trying to save up for a move. Hooray! Yeah. And two, it's going to be on EA Play soon. Like, it's it's Probably. going it's going to be on EA Play soon, and yeah. I got a Game Pass, so therefore, bang. So now now there's there comes a point where uh, we talk about game preservation, and this is a you know one of those examples that says like oh is this part of game preservation? Is this part where it says that oh we're taking an old trilogy, remastering it? Is it really preserving it when we're just upping it to modern gaming? Mm-hmm. Now. There was a quote from an interview from PC Games, uh, PC Gamer, uh, where they actually interviewed the project director and the environment director, and they got a little piece of uh, info from them, what they're preserving. So this is actually uh, saying that they're actually putting in the old Mako controls into Mm. it, and you can actually switch back and forth between the old controls of the Mako and the new controls of the Mako. Now, if you're fans of the very first uh, Mass Effect and uh, you've played with the Mako, driving the Mako is a nightmare, okay? And uh, they actually quote right here that they put it in for, what was the quote that they put in? Uh, For people who do like pain (laughs) is what they quoted. That's funny. Uh, So I want to read this quote right here because there comes a point of uh, preservation where you know, a lot of people want the old controls. A lot of people want to still see it because it is still a charm of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's still part of gaming history to say that, you know, this there was, was a big complaint with Mass Effect fans. And it's a big part of the Mass Effect in, uh, community. And that brings up to this quote here, which says, uh, this is from um, Mac Walters, who was the project director, who says, uh, you'll never get consensus, says Walters. Uh, whether people love it or some people hate it, we're making a big point of it often in marketing, but it's a lighter touch. And I think people might think, uh, than than they might think, sorry. And the optional control scheme is optional. So you can drop back and forth. So he's saying that like, there's a lighter touch into the controls. People who like to make controls, uh, they'll be happy, mm-hmm. but He's saying if you really don't like the new controls, you can switch back to it. Um, Liz, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's nice to offer because some people do like that nostalgia feel. Mm -hmm. Like a few Christmases ago, I got you the Duke for the Xbox One. Yes. And, you know, even though it wasn't the original, you enjoyed your time like holding it again. And you're just like, Oh my gosh! Right, <laughs> like you were like it. You like that nostalgia feel of playing it, like you did when you first started playing Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I think that's nice to have in yeah. in a game that, like, if you're going to be doing something like this, it's it's a nice option for people who want the nostalgia, but also having the modern controls mm-hmm. for someone who's just entering it or doesn't care or didn't like the old controls. So I think it's nice. Yeah. So 
I think it brings up a good point of just saying that game preservation isn't just the game in of itself. Mm-hmm. We keep thinking about everything in terms of, you know, bringing it to modernized uh, ways. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the controls, the original controls mm-hmm. have to be protected, have to be preserved. Yeah. And not a lot of us think about that. Where do we want the same control scheme? Do we want this same? Or, or are we just saying that like everything needs to be modernized? Everything needs to be fixed. Does it need to be fixed or is it part of game history? And that's a question where a lot of people will ask it. And um, they're kind of answering it with this. Mm-hmm. So it brings up, a, you know, a good talking point here. But, you know, should we re- oh, should we preserve all game controls? Should we reserve uh, preserve all other retro games the way they controlled and not fix them? Or should we make it optional like this? So yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting Yeah. Um, that, that you can make it optional, that you can go back and forth between it. So yeah. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So brings us to our number two game news. This is about the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. And the PlayStation Store is um, possibly... Uh, facing a class action lawsuit. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, sort of, kind of. Um, so the class action lawsuit is actually coming uh, in response to April 1st, 2019. So this mm. is a while ago. Wow. When uh, pl- the PlayStation Store, well, Sony said that all brick and mortar stores cannot be selling digital games they cannot be selling digital cards digital currency they can't sell anything digital like terms of like a physical card Mm. in brick and mortar stores like best buy gamestop all these places and this class action lawsuit is actually stating that the that sony is putting this uh super competitive price on games and is in and is now actually uh raising prices of games 175 percent than their physical counterparts Basically saying they're putting a monopoly on digital game prices. Yeah. So if you want to be a digital game collector, guess what? The only place to do it is, is in, through Sony. Yeah. And that's it puts a, a super competitive uh, price and a monopoly. And people yeah. think that's uh, antitrust laws mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And uh, this is a possible class action. Uh, not really. But... Now, if the class action lawsuit goes through, there's other articles stating that this could actually lead to cheaper PS4 and PS5 digital games. Mm -hmm. This could lead to cheaper prices because the class action lawsuit's going through. Mm -hmm. Now, will this class action lawsuit go through? You might be asking as I spin around in my chair. Uh, Most likely, no. (laughs) So this is actually a quote from uh, Hoeg. Uh, Hoeg? Hoeg, maybe Richard Hoeg of Hoeg Law Firm. And this guy knows his stuff. He's quoted a lot in the gaming industry. And I want to read this quote for you here because he says it's very, very unlikely. Hmm. So this is what he has to say about the class action lawsuit, saying that, like, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's unlawful for you to only have a monopoly on digital games. He says this. Overall, I think it's very um Overall, I think it's a very difficult case to make, given that, one, historically, the U.S. antitrust laws have not been used against hardware providers in such a way. A hill Epic itself has to climb in a pending litigation. Number two, Epic is going out of its way to provide testimony in their own case to establish that their theory 
should not be applied on to console manufacturers. And three, Sony here is being asked to provide an affirmative service digital code distribution, whereas Apple is effectively being asked to only get out of Epic's way. And that number three is the most important part. Sony mm -hmm. is being asked by consumers like, hey, we want digital games. We want them now. So we're demanding that you give us a service. Whereas Epic in this class action law, in this certain lawsuit, it's like, mm -hmm. hey, we're trying to do our business and Apple is a wall in our way and we're trying to give the people something, but there's a wall in our way. Mm -hmm. That's the difference here. And that's why, uh, you know, Richard Hoag, a hoag, I don't know. Who knows? Um, he knows, but we don't. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody else but me. But uh, that's what he has to say is that overall, this is a very difficult case to make. But mm -hmm. if this does go through, this could lead to cheaper prices. Mm -hmm. But most likely, this is not going to go through. I just think it's a very silly lawsuit to have. But you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I understand both sides. Like, I understand Sony. It's like, well, it's our, it's our games. It's our company. Mm -hmm. So... You know, like they can in the end, it's, it, it is up to them. Right. But at the same time, it really isn't fair to the consumer that they have to pay either these astronomical prices mm -hmm. for physical games or have to only buy them in the Sony store. Yeah. And you can't buy any Sony products outside of that store. Yeah. It's it's all pretty silly. If it you is ask silly. Me. So uh, what do you think about it? I want to hear your thoughts in the comments down below. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you think this is going to go through? Do you hate that I'm sniffling all the way through this? I'm sorry. I got my injection yesterday, and I feel like garbage. So mm -hmm. it is what it is, but Andrew Orsi's here to save the day. Yes, he will. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on all this and so much more? But we want to bring it over to our number one gaming news. Oh, boy. It's about Stadia and how good it is and how successful it is and how our buddy Brian McGinnis, he's still a good person, and I love him so much. Yeah. But he's wrong about Stadia. Uh, so Stadia apparently is falling through because uh, our 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 good friend, I wish good friend, I wish she would come on the show, but she won't because she's too good for us. Uh, Jade Raymond had started a um, had started a studio uh, yeah. with PlayStation. So she started a studio called Haven. This is uh, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. This is actually March. I was gonna say it was a couple months ago. A couple months ago, <laughs> and she started a uh, she started an indie studio after Stadia had let her go. Mm -hmm. After Stadia said, "Ah, you know what? You know what? I don't really want to focus on first party games. I hate first party games because they mm -hmm. take too long to make." Goodbye, Jade Raymond. And yeah. so Jade Raymond left, and PlayStation swooped her up mm -hmm. and said, "Hey, can you start a studio? Make your own PlayStation IP?" Jade Raymond said, "Sure." Now brings us to this month where six members of stadia six heads of stadia mm -hmm. have left the company to yeah. go join haven and this is just wild six of them and i want to include here that one of the six uh is none other than oh oh i have it written down i'm so sorry sebastian Puel. 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 i don't know Sebastian Puel, who is the general manager behind Stadia, the general manager of Stadia, has left Stadia to go over to Haven with Jade Raymond. Mm -hmm. So why don't we read this quote? Who gives all the names? By the way, 
So sorry, some of these are French names, uh, and your boy's not French, so I'm going to butcher these names. So uh, bear with me. I'm vaccinated. So the quote right here says, uh, uh, as noted by a post on Reset Era and discovered uh, via LinkedIn profiles, Stadia's general manager, Sebastian Puel, head of creative services and publishing Corey May, staff of uh, UX researcher Jonathan Dankoff, uh, graphics programmer Pierre-Marc Berubi, and concept artist Erwin Le I'm vaccinated. And Francis Rosick, Francis Denoncourt have all left Google Stadia games for new roles and swiftly expanding uh, Haven Entertainment Studios. So let me repeat this. That the general manager, the head of creative services and publishing, the UX researcher, the graphics programmer, and concept artist from Stadia, heads of Stadia, have left Stadia mm-hmm. to go join Jane Raidman. Yeah. Uh, can we all say? Can we all? Can we? Can we admit at this point that Stadia is dead? Like it's crazy. Brian won't. No, Brian won't, and he's a gem <laughs> to us. Uh, I, I value him, and he has But that. I worry about him in this time. I do worry about him. He's a very much a Stadia person, but, yeah. you know, go over to Luna. It's fine. Um, but it's just insane. It's yeah. just absolutely it's, insane. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about this? I, I It's, there's no words yeah. to really, there's nothing to really think about this. It's just like, wow. Like, you're just wondering, like, what is going on over at Stadia that these people are just like, forget this. Well, this is all my, also on my notes here. That this is actually what happens when you don't support and empower your staff. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what happens. They leave to a place that will value them. Yeah. And a place that them. wants them. Exactly. Uh, I've left many jobs that, you know, did not value me. And I went to a job that did. Mm-hmm. But that's simple as that. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what these people are doing. They did not feel valued at Stadia. And guess who did value them? Jade Raymond mm-hmm. over at Haven. Because I'm sure Jade Raymond is a wonderful person and will never do any harm ever. Um. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that will hold up in time. That that will definitely hold up in time. Don't quote me there. But that's my point is that yeah. Jade uh, probably poached these people. Didn't poach them in a way of just like saying but like. made them an offer. But made them an offer saying like, hey, I know what's going on in Stadia. I know what you're going through. Join me in Haven. Yeah. And there's that. Uh, so I thought this is pretty crazy that. Not just Sebastian Puel. If Sebastian Puel, like the general manager of Stadia, we, we would have been like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but like this many people who like headed departments. Yeah. Were like, yeah, bye. So that's insane. All but Phil Harrison has yet to leave. <laughs> so um, kind of crazy the way Stadia is going at this point. And I'm very much looking forward to what Haven has to do. Mm-hmm. I want to play this game. I want to play it so badly. Yeah. I want to know what Haven is doing. Whatever you're making, we're buying it. We're buying it. I'm buying it twice. I don't care. Uh, but it's going to be a very interesting point in gaming history where uh, a actual you know game console failed and started mm-hmm. a game studio. You know, mm-hmm. and I wonder how well this game will do. Mm-hmm. And if Sony is backing this game sony is backing haven studios yeah i'm sure the marketing is going to go haywire uh especially last week we reported that 
Uh, Sony wants to inc- aggressively invest in yeah. first party. Yeah. So I'm sure this game is going to be fantastic. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. In fact, Whatever that's probably it is. How, how they can afford them. I mean, really, yeah. <laughs> so uh, any other thoughts on this? No, not really. Well, that's our uh, top three gaming news of the week. What did you think about this? Uh, write your thoughts in the comments down below. What do you think about these gaming news pieces? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, am I handsome? Write it in the comments You're down very below. very handsome. Thank you. But can you write it in the comments down below? Sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I think it's time to go into our final segment. Let's go into a chill segment. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Cool. So if you don't know... And you've been listening to this podcast forever. How do you not know? The only Andrew, way you don't he... know is if this is your first episode. And I'm sorry if this is your first episode. <laughs> I, I'm actually generally sorry. So genuinely sorry. Uh, but uh, here we are. We got Andrew Orsi on the show. I've lost count of how many times it's been on the show. This I think is, this is six. I, I thought it was seven for a second. I think it's six. I guess we'll ask it him when he's on. Seven. Yeah. Now I don't know. Let's, anyway. Let's ask him. Uh, Andrew Orsi is our good buddy. He came from Good Game, Great da- Game. Gr- good Game, Great Game. Excuse me. My goodness. And now he's a professional co-host at this point. So yeah. uh, let's just go ahead and bring him on. You all know him. You all love him. So let's just go ahead and bring him on. Andrew Orsi. everybody we are back with our special guest who's been on the show six or seven or a thousand times we've all lost track at this point and he's just going to take over games and groceries at this point it's andrew orsi hey. hooray andrew how yeah, you adam doing sent me adam sent me the thumbnail for this episode with just me on it and i was like that feels right this is the step in my takeover right yeah it's just me <laughs> straight up like i just said like hey man like this is going to be like we still have to take our thumbnail pictures so he's like no, nah, it looks done. Yeah. yeah, just me. Just Andrew. <laughs> you should do that. That would be hilarious. No, no, us in it is just that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to think about doing that. Yeah. Like, just make him a little bit bigger. Yeah. And, and just, just like, like tiny, have... tiny us. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like just Ooh, him. Is yeah, even... like a progression of you guys steadily get smaller. <laughs> oh, yeah, like time, make I us guess. look like we're behind him. Uh, like, I look can... like we're set like far in the background and he's like up front. See, like, anybody that's watching his YouTube channel has watched or has already seen the thumbnail and just how it turned out. So um, let us know what happened. Let us know what happened in the comments. <laughs> yeah, come back in time, please. Come back <laughs> to the past. Please tell us what's happening. Really? Yeah. <laughs> let us know what we decide. I'm, I'm waiting for the Twitter DM right now that lets <laughs> me know. <laughs> yeah. Time traveling Twitter DMs with Andrew Orsi. That'd be fun. Yeah. So, Andrew, you're back on the show. Mm-hmm. Hooray. I sure am. And you're more vaccinated than us. Yeah. I'm super vaccinated. I went out to a restaurant tonight. Whoa. Nice. First nice. time in over a year. <laughs> Indoor, wow. not outdoor. Indoor. Yeah, I've done a, a few outdoor things. Uh, not even a lot of those. Just because even in New York, outdoor mm-hmm. was crowded. And, like, the, the problem was even doing an outdoor there's so little space because mm-hmm. they're trying to create outdoor seating on the street, essentially yeah. that most of the restaurants ended up just building another building. And I was oh. like, is that, is that outdoor anymore? Oh. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, like my dad had gigs like for his band and they would just do it in a tent with heat lamps. I'm like, is this still yeah. outside? Just, like how does this, this doesn't is... feel correct? <laughs> this is just a loophole. You're indoors. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. But you know, we're all we're all getting there. We're all uh, staying safe here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, you know, definitely consider it. I know Pennsylvania law, mm-hmm. uh, if seventy percent of people get vaccinated adults. Seventy percent of adults get vaccinated, uh, the mask mandate is gonna be over. So that's crazy. Yeah. And so, then we'll move wow. and we'll do our masks again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in North Dakota, they have no masks. They don't even know what a mask no, is. No, they wear masks. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> know, Halloween masks, maybe. But, oh, my goodness. Uh, we're, we're kind of talking like this is a What's the Biz episode. but it's this not. is But this is official. Let's get serious, guys. We got official business. Official business. It's official business, Gosh. business, business. Uh, so we're here with Andrew Orsi. We're going to be talking about can retro franchises work in modern games? And I want to discuss this because Ratchet & Clank has really been making this revival. It's not even just a remake, but this mm-hmm. reboot is very much next gen. In fact, this is kind of, you know, celebrate, not celebrating, but really uh, taking control of what the PS5 can do mm-hmm. here with a retro game franchise that we all thought might be just dying or dead. Mm-hmm. So while we get this uh, show on the road here, I do want to define the subject. Uh, I'm going to go around the room, you know, me, you, TV, Andrew here, and uh, talk about, you know, what is the main differences, right, between games of old, the way we played video games mm-hmm. versus modern games of today? And Andrew, since you're our guest here, you got a lot of knowledge on retro games. You're pretty much the retro game king, apparently. I'm just old. <laughs> just old. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, what what do you like? What do you think are the main differences between the way we played games in retro and modern games today? Um, I think there's two. It's kind of bare bones, just my initial gut instincts about it. But I think there's two facets. I mm. think one is you have to consider that the age group has shifted mm. back in the retro gaming era. Yeah, video games were being made for kids mm. very specifically. Um. And that's what they were marketed towards and blah, blah, blah. Versus nowadays, I think you have a much wider audience for video games. And the developers have gotten to a point where they're acknowledging that and Mm -hmm. where they recognize that like, oh, we now have people who literally grew up playing video games. And okay, they're in their 30s or 40s, but they're still playing them. Yeah. So just the types of games you're developing and the the ways the developers want you to engage with the game is going to be different because they're marketing to a larger age spectrum. Um, Yeah. But then I think the other thing is just like the style of, first of all, there's more capability nowadays. Mm-hmm. Advances in technology change things inherently, and that mm. was always going to happen. Oh, sure. Um, but I think you also get games that are more about like, back then it was sort of <laughs> like save points were not everywhere. Auto save features yes. were not a thing. Mm-hmm. I remember like my old platformers, it was the kind of thing where you would get as deep as you could in the game. And when you ran out of lives, it would give you a password. And if you didn't write that password down, yes. you had to start the game from the beginning mm-hmm. again. <laughs> God about that. Yeah. <laughs> Including like Aladdin and Lion King, I think did that too. Yep. Yeah. They did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I never really got that far. <laughs> Those and then and then Tiny Toon Adventures for the Sega Genesis. I remember having just pictures of the codes. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Yeah, like passwords aren't really a thing anymore because you know. If you don't have autosave in your game, then what are you even doing? Yeah. It's almost like a feature mm-hmm. that, like, we don't have autosave. I still freak out when I'm playing a game and there's no option to click save. Same. Yeah. Like, Same. Like, it's, like, ingrained in me. Like, no, where do I save? Yeah. <laughs> like, I get so <laughs> nervous closing. I'm like, okay, that was the autosave symbol, like, two seconds ago. <laughs> but I need to click yeah. save. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been I've been playing the new Pokemon Snap, and every time I like go to play a different game or shut off the Switch, I'm like, "Did you? Are you gonna remember that I took that picture? It was a really good picture. Are you gonna remember?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Liz, what do you think? Uh, when we're talking about you know are the differences between retro games and modern games? Well, like, what are the main differences that you think about? For me. Uh, for me personally, at least, it's there's a difference between the games I played when I was younger and the games I play now, and not even just like the age group, but the type of game because I grew up with Nintendo systems and a Genesis. Yeah. So I had more of those like family games or yeah. like just like simple games that like you I didn't even realize growing up that there was even a type of story behind it. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, like I play life is strange i play games with a lot of meaning and a lot of emotion yeah in them and like a lot of complexity in them mm-hmm. and so that for me is like a huge difference in just the type of games because growing up those are the only games i played and that's why i stopped playing video games i'm just like meh i'm bored with that like i don't want to yeah. do that anymore i thought that's all games were like i remember i would play gladiator on my cousin's playstation 2 mm-hmm. and I wasn't paying attention to anything they said. Both of us were like, shut up, shut up, shut yeah. up. I just want to fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all I thought video games were. Mm-hmm. Um, so now as an adult, like that's the biggest difference for me is just the type of game mm-hmm. that I'm playing and capable and like able to play. Cause like they didn't have things like life is strange in Detroit mm-hmm. when we were growing up. Yeah. I really think it's also, um, now when I say oversaturation, when I'm talking about like the difference between retro games and today, I'm not saying that retro games never got oversaturation. In fact, oversaturation <laughs> is how we got into the Atari ET in the dumpster or dumpster, uh, you know, the, the place where the land, the land the dumpster is where it's supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, like that's the thing is that um, there's there's a lot about oversaturation. But when I'm talking about oversaturation, there's a lot of like really good games coming out and kind of like an over. You can't really keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just today. Right. Uh, as we're recording this, Resident Evil 8 came out. Mm-hmm. But like what you said, uh, Pokemon Snap came a week before that. Mm-hmm. And Returnal was uh, also with that. Oh, but yeah. then the week before that, it was MLB The Show 21, and everybody cared about that. You know, um, I'm starting to really get into MLB The Show you 20. Are. I'm really starting to get into it. I don't know you why. You do that the past couple of them. Like, you buy it, and you're like, meh, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, obsessed with it. It's because I'm competitive. Yeah. And that's, that's it really it. just completely feeds that. But I think the... <laughs> But I think that is that like the marketing is so oversaturated where we have almost too many good games. And mm-hmm. that's a weird complaint to have. Whereas games of old, you know, you had like your handful of games, maybe mm-hmm. like a really good game comes up once a month, maybe. But yeah. more realistically, a really good game like we get, you know, in modern gaming was probably like once in once in three months. You know, like a really good generation defining game or like a year defining mm-hmm. game. But now people are already saying that Returnal is game of the year. Like Returnal is there. And we're already in like May, early May. Yeah. Excuse me. But it's, it's always this oversaturation of the way, you know, they're kind of like pushing it. Like it has to be big. It has to be, mm-hmm. you know, momentous. It has to be cinematic. It has to be 
grandeur almost well that's that that's the triple a formula on games now Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's what the developers have gone towards is every game needs to tell the most innovative narrative in gaming ever and it has to be big and we're gonna make movie style trailers yes games Mm -hmm. all the time but then the fan base does the exact same thing because the hype starts the minute a game is announced yeah and builds up to a fever pitch yeah. yeah. So we're in this culture of just like everything is the next most epic thing. And it's basically, for me at least, destroying the meaning of the word epic. Like, I'm just yes. kinda like, nothing's epic anymore because you want it all to be epic, but like, stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like, it loses meaning behind it, you know? Like, I think a lot of people would say that the first Last of Us was a defi- definitively massive mind-blowing game yes. for most people who played it etc cetera, etc cetera. but i do not think it was built up to be that no mm-hmm. i don't think, think so. that it was created to be a blockbuster game i don't think people yeah. had the hype that we have about every single game nowadays it naturally happened and that's this is i mean this goes back to my this is going to get a, a weird tangent but Go just for it. bear with me my acting teacher my okay. weirdo acting teacher in college head of department i mean he was um an absolute madman but also <laughs> a genius fair fair <laughs> completely disconnected from reality in multiple <laughs> ways and yet really good at what he did yeah um and his whole thing was like you would be doing a monologue mm-hmm. and he would start screaming at you that you were trying to make it precious that you were trying to make the emotion a thing. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you were trying to make this monologue a moment. And he was mm-hmm. like, I don't give a I don't give a crap if you're doing a minute monologue and you feel like this is your one minute to show in the audition. You are just doing this monologue. You need to just say the words. Mm-hmm. The words will make the thing happen. Mm-hmm. The yeah. acting will make the thing happen. You don't make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like now the entire industry, and this is not just video games, this oh, is no. movies, this is yeah. social media. Everything is like everyone is trying to push every little thing as a big moment yes and everything can't be a big moment yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we yeah. all need to settle down yeah that's fair i could just be an old man now and i'm grumpy <laughs> but I, I it makes yeah. me very tired yeah yeah well i was gonna say same thing like the movies we watched growing up you can tell they weren't meant to be like huge and memorable but they all defined our childhood mm-hmm. like right you know what i mean like they weren't meant to be huge blockbusters yeah. like i'm sure they made lion king be like this is cute sure and it's like I'm, yeah i'm it's sure it's this huge thing yeah um I, i'm sure there was more planning behind it like i'm sure disney well yeah but you know what yeah. i mean disney like, did a little bit more although to be fair lion king was actually expected to be less big than pocahontas and so there was less focus on it that's true yeah so whereas the, now that's like the number one thing people say they need to see in like live yeah like, exactly that's that's some of people's favorite musicals to see live yeah and so you know they didn't plan on these things when we were growing up but i think I, i'm gonna sound old too but okay. i blame technology yeah because hey, it's, it's us, a bunch of 20 30 year olds <laughs> complaining about the world but it's that advancement of technology where people are like look what we can do and they want to show off what they can do with this new technology and it yeah. makes things more grand and bigger and bigger and suddenly we got swept up in this thing where it's like everything needs to be huge yeah and they stop losing a good story and just focusing on like this makes money yeah and it's it's just it's all ridiculous <laughs> So I want to bring it to retro game franchises, right? We mm-hmm. we define that now modern games are in this grander state. Mm-hmm. And retro games were more in the lines of just making a really fun game, oversaturated, uh, oversaturated right? Just like modern games, but in a different light. Um, so Ratchet & Clank is now going into this kind of revival, this reboot, mm-hmm. this very big reboot almost. Yeah. Um, 
So I do want to ask, you know, when we're talking about retro game franchises coming into the modern games, what's an appropriate time set to actually have a revival of a game kind of like Banjo? Like, what's a good time to, like, have Banjo come back in a grander way? Right like, now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm I am I'm very much a proponent of not every series needs to be remade, but I'm waiting Banjo. for Banjo. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, my second question is, how should it be done? And let's bring it over to Andrew. He wants Banjo back. He thinks it should be now. But how should it be done? Zach is counting on you here. Oh, I know. He's he's going to hate whatever answer I come up with, because I'm sure he has yeah. the strongest opinion in the world about it. Um, I'm a latecomer. Zach was a proper banjo fan back at the time. Right. Um, I I mean, first of all, it needs to have it needs to have the lighthearted sense of humor of mm -hmm. the first one. The weirdness you can't. This is what I think like like a game like the Final Fantasy VII remake kind of failed at is mm. that it tried to lean into the fact that it was a massively popular game. Hmm. and it yeah. said we understand what you guys liked about this and we're gonna overemphasize that we're putting sephiroth in the first part and yeah it's like, he's not supposed to be here yet yeah i get that he's a cool villain he's a cool villain because he came up halfway through the story and was all of a sudden this world shattering power like yeah. you know it, it's it's too much of it that the developers of that remake did too much of a knowing wink to us which yeah. took away the spirit of the original game. The first and foremost thing is you need to have your developers and your writers and your creative team play the original game through like two to three times at least and yeah. understand why it was special. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then whatever you want to do from there, however you want to modernize it and innovate it, as long as you're holding on to the spirit that you have learned about what the original was and why it was, why mm -hmm. it deserves the remake then I think you'll be headed in a better direction than some of what we get. Yeah. Rather than this was popular, there is nostalgia, money, 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 which is sometimes exactly. I think what developers do. Oh, yeah. always. Yeah. Um, yeah, Liz, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, for me, when it comes to like doing these like remakes of these old games, part of me is like, cool, yay, now we can play them on our modern systems. But I don't know, for me personally, I'd rather just play them on my system. Yeah. And maybe that's just because I still have my original systems and yeah. I have that option because we have all of the games my family had for our Nintendo and for our GameCube. Yes. And so I don't need the newer mm -hmm. version. I can go back and play my original. Sure. And at the same time, it's kind of like what Andrew said. It's like sometimes they're just making it for money and that kind of makes me feel dirty for playing it. Yeah. Like it's like, I know you're doing this because you think you can make money off of me. Yeah. And I don't want to prove you right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how I feel about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It's mm -hmm. just like, listen, I know uh, it's just like I mm, <laughs> I want to. But we did reports on our number three gaming news is that they're bringing back Mako controls, the original, mm -hmm. the original Mako controls. So it's kind of this weird thing of like preserving old. Are you suggesting that I can still get my tank stuck in the mountains of a remote planet and flip <laughs> over by accident? You can totally <laughs> do that. They're bringing those controls. Uh, and he quoted... Good saying for those who enjoy pain yeah they're bringing it for yeah. you but yeah it's really cool to think about it like that but um yeah like you said like it, it kind of makes you feel dirty in that way but um i think the appropriate time to bring back a game franchise is uh i agree with andrew now right now 
because yeah. I don't think, yeah. I think the big games from like the nineties and the early two thousands, like this is your time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is when, because our developers are refusing to give us accessibility to old games, which are still just yeah. come on. Yeah. Exactly. We, people can't play them now. So yeah, now is the time where if the franchise was charming, if it had legs, if it has, a nostalgia factor for some people and also enough of something that's worth introducing to the newer generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Bring it in. Yeah. And I think it's not about um, when fans totally miss it, when fans, because a fan will miss it after two years of no like new yeah. game. Like right now, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed Red Dead Redemption. I very much enjoyed Red Dead Redemption 2. That's just me. I know it's yeah. not the greatest game in the world. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. And I already miss it. I already won a Red Dead Redemption 3. Mm-hmm. So it's not even about like, oh, you have to miss it after 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's not about that. It's just about like continuing the story and continuing the spirit of the game mm-hmm. and how it should be handled. I love the way they're doing it with Ratchet and Clank. And I, we haven't played it yet, but from what we've seen in the trailers, mm-hmm. it still keeps the spirit of it, but it modernizes it to use SSD. It used, it utilizes like the technology, like, hey, man, we can make a really cool story because of the SSD, and we can like riff through worlds here. Mm-hmm. I heard some people say that this is really just a demo for the PS5. This is really just a tech demo. I, I see where they're coming from. I do. Yeah. I get it. But when you have the technology, why not use it? Yeah, you know exactly. Why not use it to make a new light? But from what I'm seeing from the trailers, we could be wrong. None of us have played it. Raise your hands if you have a PS5. Okay, all hands mm-hmm. are down. Good. Uh, we're <laughs> not going to be able to play it. Yeah. So I'm saying this in the way of just like, this could be, you know... Um, you know, a poorly timed answer. Yeah. But I like that they're just taking the character. They're not uh, modernizing the character model mm-hmm. necessarily, but they're just utilizing the technology that we have to make a new story rather than what you said, Andrew, with uh, Final Fantasy VII, just like little winks here and there. Like, oh, remember Sethroth? Mm-hmm. Oh, you like Cloud? Oh, remember when everybody was like, is he going to be with Aerith or Tifa? So we're going to make these two girls fawn over him. Exactly. Because you guys want that. And I'm sitting here like, no, like, look, Cloud's really hot. Like, I've had a crush on Cloud since I was seven. Like, what do you want from me? But he's also mopey as hell. Yeah. He's got very little personality in this first game Mm -hmm. that is easy to get to. And why would two women be fawning over him? Exactly. (laughs) Whereas... Other Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy 15 and what it seems like Final Fantasy 16, which we haven't seen much news of lately. Am I right on that? We haven't. I feel really... like they announced Final Fantasies and then go quiet on them for seven years now. <laughs> yeah, really. And it, it looks so bloody. It looks so. It looks so good. But that's the thing. They're they're using utilizing a technology to make new Final Fantasy games instead of remaking or like you know giving little winks and nods to fans. Mm-hmm. I think should be handled in a way of just like using modern technology. Uh, look at games like Banjo. Like imagine like all well, I the- would even say, did either of you guys play the, the Ratchet and Clank 2016, the PS4 reboot? I did not. And I real well, I, I played the demo and I just didn't okay. get it. See, I played the whole thing because it was on the free play at home that PlayStation did during. The oh, pandemic. I forgot to get it during and that. And I picked it up. Oh. That's also how I'm finally going to play Horizon Zero Dawn. Nice. So, you know, 
Okay. <laughs> um, it was it was great. Yeah. It had the spirit of it. It played. It had the platforming. It used the modern technology to make things run a little smoother and to enhance some stuff. They they played with and up the comedy of the original. They did some fourth wall breaking meta things. So like it certainly had its own flavor to it but it kept the original spirit of the characters and the original spirit of the comedy of the game mm. really well. It was like, it, it wasn't trying to be something bigger than the original was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just trying to say, this was a really wonderful game that created a whole series with legs and we want to give it a new life into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the same way with uh, crash bandicoot, you know, crash bandicoot, like they got a new game and it was still the platforming. It was still the, uh, the tough uh, kind of, um, it was a tough platforming, but, you know, it used the technology and we saw all sorts of, of hair follicles on Crash because of the technology that we have. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, that's what I want to get into, though. Uh, platforming and the characters, right? Before we get into social media answers, which, Liz, I think you'll be reading the social media answers because uh, your boy's sniffling. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to put all hands on deck here. Um Unless, Andrew, you wanted to take the social media answers because you're on our Discord. Whoa. Yeah, that w- that's a mind-blowing possibility. Because, Andrew, <laughs> if you want to take over Games and Groceries, you're going to have to put it in the work here. All right, let me pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just try what I'm doing. I'm uh, just doing casual product placement with my new phone. <laughs> oh, you got the purple iPhone? I got the purple iPhone. Oh my god! Look at her. It doesn't what? even look purple in this lighting. It's doesn't it work at all. It looks purple. Yeah, it looks like uh, indigo. I In- mean, I'm clearly I'm purple shirt, purple iPhone. I'm just here. I am. Yeah, you're you're basically <laughs> Barney the dinosaur. Is what no. we're saying. No, no, that's not that's what we're mean. doing. No, no. I'm wearing. The, I'm just wearing the ace flag. <laughs> oh. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Barney, but okay. It's like the same show. thing. It's basically. Do you think Barney is ace? That's a whole. That's a whole different. I love you with no sex. You love me <laughs> with no sex. <laughs> that's a what's the biz topic for another day. Um, so yeah, I want to actually ask a question first before we get into social media answers. Uh, we talked about how there's platforming, right? We we talked about Andrew. You made a good point that games were designed for kids back in the day now we're getting more modernized that you know we're adults now we need grown-up things right we need solid food but (laughs) do we think that retro game franchises right do we think these are dying do we think they're dead because of the platforming because of the gameplay or do we really think it's because of the character designs like banjo glover uh, uh conquer right like that they were animals and they were cartoonish, Sly Cooper. Hmm. Do you think it's the character design or the gameplay itself? Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it could be some of, of a little bit of everything. Um, I think the characters can still be wonderfully charming. I mean, people still fall for new games that have very distinct art styles and weirdly cartoony graphics or... Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think hyper-realistic graphics and and human main characters make or break whether a mm-hmm. game is going to be successful. Mm. Um, do I think that we now have people who <laughs> makes me feel old to say it, but I have come into the era of gaming where graphics were good and where everything was human and where narratives were already mm. being told and where games mm-hmm. felt like movies. So now they have that expectation. So a platforming game just isn't going to make sense yeah. to them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think there is some of that. But like for me, 
I don't know. And and the pandemic has really highlighted it just because I don't have the energy to engage with narrative games much right now. Fair. Yeah. I haven't played I haven't finished Last of Us 2. Oh no. I haven't finished Last of Us. I just of Us I started to do it and then I did a trip out of the city. And yeah. so it took a few weeks away from it. And then I came back and I was just like, I don't know. It's awfully sad. And I'm sad too. So <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. That, that's fair. so I'm just I'm not doing like heavy narrative games right now and and mindless simple platforming games mm-hmm. that I can play in the background have been a lifesaver at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't necessarily like for me, the platforming is actually lovely. And this is coming from a person who once upon a time hated platforming games. Yeah. Um, and I'm still bad at them. I just have learned to love them. Mm-hmm. That's but fair. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's I think there's a bit of, of a cultural shift. And I think it's I think it's now that we have multiple generations engaging in video games mm-hmm. that changes the different generations are going to engage in different ways and have different expectations based on what they grew up around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, Liz, what are your thoughts? Um, I think part of it of why we feel that shift is mm-hmm. because kind of like Andrew said, like, I don't think it matters the character. Like, yeah, they're still charming. They're still nice, but we still have platformers today. They're just different. Like we have unraveled. Yes. And that's the same thing. But I think the reason why we see like Ratchet and Clank and things like that as children and why we have a harder time playing it as adults is because our subconscious sees that as child. Mm -hmm. Like that is for a child. And I am above that now. (laughs) I am a man now. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like our subconscious just tells us like, no, I can't play that anymore. That's for children. Yeah. I'm an adult. I'm going to play this much more difficult game. No, I get that. And that, that really goes into the way society goes. Is that like, uh, right now we're all, you know, 30, 31, 30, uh, 20, 28 in August, 30, we're all, we're all, we're all in there. We're all in the old, um, (laughs) and we're all having this expectations of society saying that like, Oh, you know, where's your house? Oh, where are your kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, where's your white collar job? Oh, and it's just like you, you'll always have to have this format in yeah. life that you go into these animal like cereal box mascot kind of uh, mm-hmm. characters. And I think that's what kind of killed the retro game franchise because we still have platforming in, yeah. in modern day. We still have these gameplays. We still have collectathons in games. Mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that. Um, I believe it because I've been playing it. But. <laughs> It's more, I think, the characters, the character yeah. designs that it's less cartoony, especially talking about Banjo-Kazooie with the... Uh, no, that's Animal Crossing. Wait, no, Banjo's dialogue is, like, kind of weird, too, if, I, if I'm right. Well, Banjo has, like, Gruntilda does everything in verse, and, like, like they just had weird character, like, quirks as to the mm-hmm. ways that they spoke. and yeah. Kazooie was sort of uh, brash and loud and annoying and just sort of yelled at Banjo all the time. Yes. It it was just like, it was very cartoonish. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, to be an adult and to even watch a cartoon, you're judged. To watch Mm -hmm. anime, you're judged. Yeah. Like anything that has to do with, um, you know, colors and, you know, outline drawings, nope, you can't Mm -hmm. do that unless it's The Simpsons. Unless it, unless it holds some sort of adult 
topic. Yeah. Like, because even think of the platformers you play now. You wouldn't have played them when you were 10. They're not interesting. Yeah. You play very serious platformers. You play Mm -hmm. Unraveled and Celeste. Yes. Like, and Hugh. Like, you're not going to play Hugh when you're 10. If I played Celeste when I was 10, I don't think I could even fathom what was going on with that game. Exactly. Like, you, even though you I would have quit because it would have been too frustrating and I wouldn't have understood anything behind it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we still have platformers and they're still fine to play now. Mm -hmm. I think it's playing those old games that we played when we were younger that in our brains are like, no, we can't play that. That's That's fair. Like, that is, like, pure, like, you only play it when you feel nostalgic. You're not going to seriously sit down and play Banjo-Kazooie. Yes. Like, your subconscious doesn't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think it's a good time to jump into something that we call Social Media Answers. Hooray! Something that we call it. Nobody else would call it that, but we call it that. We call, <laughs> we call it that. It that. We that call it that. Ours. Everybody else calls it uh, <laughs> torture minus zero. Fine, fine. I'm vaccinated. What? Um, so we got some social media answers. Um, all of them are on the Discord. Hooray. Join the Discord. Woohoo. Or else uh, I'll send Andrew Orsi after you. Ooh. <laughs> That's a threat. Um, so we got three of them. And I'm sure Andrew Orsi prepared himself and he has them in front of him, right? Do you do? I didn't I think you do. would. <laughs> so, because I already said he would, and because he has him in front of him, Andrew, since you want to yeah. take over games and groceries, you be pretty much want to be the only games and groceries. It will be Andrew and groceries. <laughs> or game- And then eventually Andrew and Andrew. Andrew and Andrew. <laughs> and then it'll be Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. He'll take away the and. It'll be Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Uh, yep. So, Andrew. Why don't you take away with the uh, first piece of gaming news, I believe, from Commander... No, Absolute Prodigy is first, so... Um, actually, our first one is from Volt Supreme, and he said, can you please expand on the question a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I asked, uh, could all of our favorite retro game franchises work in modern games? The, the toughest part about making these questions is that... They have to be short. <laughs> they, one, yeah. they, they have to be short, and two, I don't want to give away too much of what we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about, you know? And, and, I, and right. I, you don't want the full time topic to just be in the social media question mm-hmm. exactly like, why would they even listen <laughs> exactly so i just uh those are the hardest parts so uh yeah so you got that one and uh go ahead take it away <laughs> okay uh so our first one is from uh, absolute prodigy and he said considering that we're currently in the reboot remake remaster season for games every game that had any sort of following previously that's going to get remastered will still do well. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for a remaster of Ape Escape. I also don't believe that retro franchises are dying or dead. People are still playing these games religiously. They may not have new people playing those games or knowing about them. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, but Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I do think like that's the thing. We have to remember that, that the retro franchises and the retro fan base... Mm-hmm. Well, sure, there's probably a few people getting added to it every once in a while sure. because they talk to their friends who loved old games and brought them in. Mm-hmm. That is not the rapidly growing fan base of video games at the no. moment. No, yeah. <laughs> but for someone like me, like I will go back and find a way to install Doom from 1992 on my computer and play it again. Yes. I will absolutely continue to play that game probably for years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if it's game that I loved 
then I probably loved it for the gameplay because like we've said, the stories and the graphics and the things that are sort of intrinsic to modern gaming were not so focused on back then. So it was about the gameplay, Mm -hmm. which is a part of the entertainment experience. Mm -hmm. And so that meant the entertainment experience was successful. Yes. And especially like I've said in the past year, I think on other episodes, I just wanted comfortable, familiar entertainment. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) and that's, completely fair and i think that's um exactly what you said that um you know because of the pandemic we're going back into retro games yeah i certainly have uh i want to go back to my old childhood and like play old games now again yes i am you know racking up points in mlb the show 21 that's a whole different story but i think i had the most fun with tony hawk's pro skater one and two remaster mm-hmm. uh only because like it, it brought me back to my childhood in a modernized way yeah. you know i could play it on my new console but i've sunk so many hours into yeah. that and i hate that xbox did not keep track of how many hours it put in it's one of those games on xbox that just it's like oh yeah we don't keep track of your hours i'm like please why i need to prove <laughs> that i'm sad but <laughs> um liz what do you think about absolute prodigy's answer no i agree that like if a you know retro game is successful it's going to be successful now because again look at how many people flocked to animal crossing for the switch uh, yeah true mm-hmm. because and, and it wasn't even just the adults who were going back and playing it because they had it when they were younger they brought their kids along i have younger cousins who all like obsessively played animal crossing when the pandemic started yeah but and so was i like i'm 27 and my cousin i think is like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. and both of us were playing it obsessively yeah because she was playing it for the first time and i was playing it for like bet from back in my childhood mm-hmm. so i think like that's a perfect example of like something that was successful when we were younger is going to be successful now because you're gonna have us who love it and want to re-experience it but at the same time we also want to introduce it to the younger generation that we have now mm-hmm. and i mean again look at pokemon snap Yes. That's all anyone's been talking about on Twitter lately. I completely forgot they were making it and was like shocked when I saw people talking about it. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I want to play. I know. It's it- a really it's a really lovely true to form remake. Mm-hmm. It is exactly. I mean, not remake. It's a new game. But like it's it's what I wanted it to be. Yeah. They took the simplicity of the first one. Mm-hmm. They made the environments more active than the last one because we have the mm. technological capacity mm-hmm. to make them more interactive. You know what I mean? So they basically took a classic series that people have clamored for for years mm-hmm. that they've talked about how much they used to love and they found the heart of it and they did a new one. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think that's that Absolute Prodigy got it like right on the nose. Yeah, and and like you said, um, I I do agree with it that, you know, there's still a fun fan base. Like for me, I am still waiting for like a a remake or just I'm just I just want a port of Jet Set Radio Future, like Jet Set Radio and or or Jet Grind Radio. I don't care which one, whatever you want to call it with the legal reasons. I don't care that game and Jet Set Radio Future onto the Xbox, PlayStation everywhere. I just want a port. I don't want a remaster or remake. I know that's too much to ask for, but can we come on Sega? Which is why when those rumors came to be where Xbox was going to buy Sega, I'm like, Jets a Radio, Jets a Radio, Jets, Jets a Radio. <laughs> I was just like blasting my brain. I'm like, oh, Jets a Radio. And then they're like, no, we're not buying. I'm like, Jets a, Jets a Radio. <laughs> I just, I just want it to be. Now, uh, 
and I do want to ask you, Angie, like, what are your thoughts on Jet Set Radio? Like, I, I think it's like pretty niche title. I don't think a lot of people would flock to that if they did like a reboot of that series. Yeah, I. I mean, <laughs> I'm now trying to harken back to a time before I was a video game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if you had come to me before we started Good Game, Great Game, which is when I really started to pay attention to video game history and mm -hmm. I started to broaden my experience, I don't think I would have, those words would have just sounded like a mishmash of sounds to me. <laughs> I wouldn't even have known what that was. Yeah. So, and I think that that is, I think it's largely out of the social consciousness of the majority of gamers. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some games that, you know, a lot of people would flock to. I think a Banjo-Kazooie, uh, the mass public is pretty aware of it. Yeah. Or, or Metroid yeah. Prime, you know, a lot of people are aware of it. But things like Jet Set Radio, um, you know, people who listen to the show are aware of it because I will not stop complaining that there isn't Jet Set Radio Future exactly. on the Xbox One. I don't know why it's not because they're just like, oh, you know, Sega. I don't care. I don't care. Just put it on. Oh, licensed music. I don't care. <laughs> Pay the money. Give me it now. Nom, nom, nom. But that that's my digress. But I do agree that, you know, I, you know, retro games are still a thing. They're still playing them. They're not dead. Mm-hmm. But they're they're still a thing. Yeah. Uh, why don't we move on to our second piece of uh, social media answer, Andrew? Would you like to take it? Certainly. Uh, so our second one is from our good good friend, Commander Nikki. Commander Nikki. And uh, she says, "Hard question, actually. Oh, it's a big you. yes and no. Mm -hmm. And it actually, in my opinion, circles back to what I said last time: the bravery of developers. Mm. Would people buy remakes of some old retro classics? Yes, definitely." Would it sell enough to make investors happy? Uh, maybe, but probably not so much, I think. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we have retro stuff that exists to this day and just advanced with the advancement of technology. Zelda, Pokemon, Mario, Tomb Raider, Grand Theft Auto, so on. Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, what even is retro? <laughs> and how long after the last release of a series title is it still worth doing a remake, reboot, remaster, etc.? Or should some franchises just stay dead for whatever mm. reason? Mm-hmm. And I think we defined it uh, on what giving retro games a chance. We defined retro to be, I think we all together came to the conclusion it's 15 years after it. Somewhere like around there. Yeah, yeah 15, like 20 that. years, I think, is then it's considered retro. Yeah. Because 10 years, like, let's, let's look at it right now. If we say 10 years, that means Skyrim is a retro game. And I'm not ready to call it a retro game just yet. You know yeah, what I mean? Because they're still making it. That is true. Okay, so bad example. They haven't um, even... They just keep putting on all new things. Uh, <laughs> as a fair point, I can say that Morrowind is definitely, yeah. you know, a retro game. Yeah. And that came out yes. in 2002? 2002 oh, or 2003? definitely retro. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, about, you know, 15 to 20 years, you can consider it retro. Skyrim, I'm not ready to call it retro yet. Um... But yeah, she makes some good points. But uh, Andrew, what do you think about her answer? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think there's a lot to unbox in the answer. Um, mm -hmm. It is. A lot of it has to do with with the money sort of thing. And like investors are just a big part of like what gets greenlit to mm -hmm. be made and what doesn't. It's the same as like a Broadway show or a movie. If it's mm. a smaller sort of show they'll tack a big name actor onto it and that's how it makes it to Broadway. And mm -hmm. then it's frustrating for those of us in the industry that are like, 
why are you casting this person, this actor who doesn't even really sing in a musical when there are millions of actors waiting to do mm-hmm. these roles? Yes. But it, it just has to do with name recognition and, yeah. and selling. And in a, a capitalist market, you don't want to invest into something that you don't know is going to make the profit you need mm-hmm. it to. Yeah. So that certainly is a limiting factor. And I do tend to think that what we have seen over the years is that video game developers are are mostly playing safe. Yes. A lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, indie developers are the ones who are taking chances because they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Once they're once it's a big studio, once you get up to these AAA studios, Sony, Microsoft, they're doing what they know is going to succeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um I also think she makes a good point about like, I mean, there are there are literally the franchises that have just stuck around. I mean, if you yeah. really get to the heart of it, Pokemon has not changed its gameplay. Oh, yeah. 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 The games yeah. are the same. Yeah. Whether <laughs> that's a good thing or bad thing. Storylines. The fan base likes to talk about storylines. There's not there. They need to stop. The fan base needs to stop. <laughs> Pokemon is those aren't stories. It's bad. Just play the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, tell like, us how you really I mean, feel. And it, to, to some degree, you have to understand that like some games just have a formula mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. continues to translate or work. It's the same as like for me, my favorite show is Survivor. Okay. I don't know if I've mentioned that here, but I love that show. I don't think you've mentioned yeah. it yet. Uh, wait, wait, can oh you? God. Oh, what's your favorite show? I can't remember. I'm, I'm sorry. Survivor. Survivor. <laughs> Big Brother. Got it. Uh, but yeah, if I also like Big Brother. Yeah, I know you do. Love yeah. Big um, yeah. To be fair, Survivor has basically um, Survivor's got 40 seasons out. Yeah. Is it 40? And if you. 40 seasons and if you really get down to the heart of it the structure of the game is the same as it was in day one it's advanced Mm -hmm. because people know more about it so people come onto the show knowing what to expect versus the first season was 16 people like they're putting us on an island what do we do (laughs) yeah yeah it's like when people go big brother i'm just like have you never watched big brother ever yeah right Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's that's... like yeah and, and big brother is the same kind of way yeah. it is really still the same format i mean yeah. big brother gets a little crazy with the twists now but they're a little obsessed with their still. twists mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's a matter of like yeah there's a natural evolution but at its heart it was a formula that worked mm-hmm. and it just continues to work even yeah. in a modernized context and i think that that is the key in her final point of like which franchises should remain dead versus which ones deserve a remake or a remaster mm. are the ones where it's like, okay, well, we'll just get to the core of the gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it translate? Can we put this in a new coat of paint with some graphical reduxes and some quality of life improvements? And will it still work? And my my example for this will actually be the the first Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. Okay. They ported it onto the switch Mm. just like did an english patch because it was never actually released in america Mm. um they did an english patch and then they basically just ported the original game it was Mm. only available for a limited time because nintendo keeps doing that weird thing (laughs) where they only sell stuff for three months i don't understand but here we are yeah um but the the thing that they did was i mean at its heart it's still it's a fire emblem game yeah fire emblem is like now more anime and three houses is a bit too much of a dating sim for me but like (laughs) at its heart fire emblem is a tactics game and a tactics game still works the formula of a tactics game is still interesting to people Mm -hmm. it is a more Mm -hmm. complex version of chess you know and so the quality of life improvements that they added were a fast forward feature because the game moves really slowly and a save state where you can do things because it was a little punishing like fire emblem was very much if you messed up partway through the chapter 
you were going to have to play through the really slow chapter all the way again, you know, so the Mm -hmm. save state. And I used those quality of life things. And then I went back and I was like, I'm just playing an an old tactics game and it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are certainly ways to to bring games back if they have the legs to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, what are your thoughts? Um... I don't really remember her answer at this point. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I talked for 500 no. hours. <laughs> no, it's... because it's my show now. <laughs> it's, it's all about Andrew. Um, I know there was something that Andrew said that I wanted to comment on, and I don't remember what it was because it was like one of the first things he said. Mm-hmm. So we can just skip me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but that that is the case though. That um, it all comes down to bravery of the devs you know and, and it sucks yeah. that you have to call it bravery mm-hmm. it really is it, you, it sucks but like you said andrew indie games are taking the risks because mm-hmm. they can you know it's their game they don't have to answer anybody they don't have investors mm-hmm. they are their own investors in fact the investors are kickstarters mm-hmm. you know uh kickstarters uh indiegogos like all these things itch uh itch dot io like these are the investors that they have to go off of and these are people that are already supporting or what they do mm-hmm. like hey this is a game i want to do oh man i really back that can i do that yeah. yeah totally but and that's the thing is that um the people that are sitting on these franchises like sucker punch with sly cooper right um maddie did a really good video on it so uh definitely check that one out but uh, you know, he's sitting, they're really sitting on Sly Cooper there, but, you know, they're really focused on Ghost of Tsushima right now, which mm-hmm. is getting a whole full-fledged movie on that. It was uh, the fastest selling PS4 title, uh, PS4 IP. And uh, yeah, they're, they're sitting on these IPs like Sly Cooper, mm-hmm. but they have to be like risky enough. Like, listen, do people still care about Sly Cooper? Yeah. And I think a good way to test that, and I and I think I said this before, is that once you put out a remaster collection, just a remaster collection, mm-hmm. that's it. That's a good, like, tip your toes. Like, oh, yeah. do people care? And if they buy it up, oh, they care. There there you go. Yeah. That's kind of the way I like about, um, you know, remasters, because it does benefit the gamer, mm-hmm. um, such as, I don't know, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remaster. Oh, kind of dips your toes into it. Do people still care about skateboarding games? And I say, yes, sir. Me, please, more. Thank you. And they're like, oh, he does care. Except um, there's not going to be any more because they are absorbed into Blizzard. And that's another story. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Um, but I do agree with her that, yeah. uh, you know, what is even retro? I'm trying to see if I said anything else. But I do agree with her there. But yeah. any other thoughts? Um, no, it's just like, and I kind of remembered what I was going to say, sort of. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like the investor side, it's, they are going to invest in what they think will make money. And I know that's what you guys basically already said, but it's, that's how we end up with, you know, franchises having like series that just keep going and going and going and the same, and you see the same thing in movies. And I've said this probably three weeks in a row at this point. Yeah, but it's you see the same thing in movies. They investors aren't willing to take risks like they did when we were younger. Yeah, no. They yep. see this one concept. They're like, "This is making us money. Let's make another one." Wow, that one also made us a lot of money. Let's make another one, and they just keep going. And they don't even try anything new anymore. And even mm-hmm. when they do try something new, it's the same concept. Yeah, with different characters. So they're not really stretching out anymore they're just like just do what makes us money pretty much yeah yep we're in we're stuck in a a bit of a sequel culture Mm -hmm. yeah they've essentially 
trained people to expect that there are going to be more of a thing if it if yeah. it's good. Um, so like a game will come out and you will literally get people saying like, I'm ready for number two already or number four or whichever, yes. you know, whichever yeah. one of the series. Exactly. And I'm sitting here and like, have you even finished this one? Yes. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. have you even just like, you know, really chewed on this one? Yeah. You know, like Ghost it's of the same as it's the same as my frustration with TV shows. I feel like now that the expectation of TV shows is for another season and another season and mm-hmm. another season, I would rather you do something like, like the, I don't something that is a contained story when you conceptualize the TV show or the video game series, Mm -hmm. conceptualize the whole thing, make it a trilogy, say it's going to be three games. Here's the story we're going to tell. If you're just doing three games, the way you can tie those together is Mm -hmm. so much more narratively satisfying than just continuing to try to like pump out another one because it made money. It's the same as like lost. Yeah, lost yeah. got real lost because they made too many seasons. <laughs> yes, that's how I am with like Grey's Anatomy now. I'm like, okay, listen, I've been watching. I caught up on all the Grey's Anatomy when I was like a sophomore or junior in college. Mm-hmm. I've been watching Grey's Anatomy since I was a sophomore or junior in college. They're still making seasons. I'm just mm-hmm. like, listen, I'm really <laughs> tired. And yeah. I'm getting really tired of continuously having to catch up on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, <laughs> we need to end. I can't There's relate. three main characters left. There's three characters from the original season. Including left. Husky Eyes. No, he was not in the original season. Oh. He came in much later on. Yeah. Ooh. But there's three people from the uh, first did, season. Yeah. Uh, who is Husky Eyes? I think his name is Jesse in real life. I don't, I don't know his last oh, name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I call him Husky Eyes. He plays Jackson Avery in Grey's Anatomy. Oh, okay. Also, he played um, the guy in Detroit Become Human. Also, he was in NBA 2K21. Yeah. Also, he was in another game. He was in... Yeah, he was in another video game. I don't yeah, he's in a, bit of a good amount of video games, yeah. to be honest. He's done some stuff. I know. Well, who would have thunk it? Right. Put him in the video game sequels. The investors will hop right on it. He's I, known. I mean. He's <laughs> just really pretty to look at. I honestly think that's why he gets video game. Like, that's why I think he gets, he gets half the jobs he gets. Yeah. I true. mean, he's a good actor, mm-hmm. but he's also pretty. That's I'm fair. looking him up right now. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know which one he is. I know yeah. him from Detroit. I don't know Grey's Anatomy at all, but I know him oh. from Detroit. <laughs> So, Andrew, why don't you uh, take us with the final piece of uh, social media answer? Yeah. So our last one comes from our good friend, Twofer. Um, We asked, could all our favorite retro game franchises work in modern games? And he says, I say absolutely. All it takes is commitment, Mm. even if it's porting old games and selling them for cheap. And I'm sorry to interrupt the answer, but hi, game developers. Hey, it's me. It's me, Andrew. You're good pal um that's that's this let me reread that sentence for you. hold on <laughs> go for it even if it's porting old games and selling them for cheap not 60 dollars yeah thanks do that thanks do that please yeah don't charge 60 dollars, <laughs> but also port all the old games yeah get your get an entire division of your development team on getting games ready for port make yes. games accessible again mm-hmm. where is final fantasy tactics <laughs> right this has been a psa <laughs> <laughs> all right back to twofer's answer okay um i can i can't imagine porting 8-bit and 16-bit games would be very difficult hi developers it's me andrew <laughs> also that sentence that sentence feels right to me feel free to come at me if i'm wrong but Go that ahead. feels correct <laughs> fair <laughs> Uh, I would love the option to buy, say, Bucky O'Hare or Little Nemo for $5 because old systems stop working and mm. are expensive to replace. Mm-hmm. My NES died two weeks ago, so I can't play Bucky O'Hare until they replace it. Mm. And that is the tragedy of our time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I know. I remember my NES died out. Like it, it had the purple screen. I went in and I took away that one um, conductor from the chip, you know, got that out, working back again. And then like maybe three months later, busted. I remember I was so surprised when we got our uh, or got my Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. from my parents' house. And I'm just like, I don't even know if this is going to work. Yeah. We haven't turned it on in years. It was sitting in my parents' basement after they were moved. It's probably got dust and crazy. The vent is broken. Well, not yeah. the vent. The vent's not broken. The <laughs> vent cover is broken. Yeah. But it's like, and it just worked. And we're like, oh. Yeah. That's nice. Well, I and, opened it and I cleaned it up. Well, yeah, you did clean it. But yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, you never know with those systems. And yeah, yeah it's scary. My Genesis, my Sega Genesis is still pushing through. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. some life in it. But my Wii... Really? My Wii gave up. Really? <laughs> I plugged it in. I turned it on one day. It was on for about two seconds of recognizing that it was a normal functioning machine. What? And then it proceeded to blank out the screen and just go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and oh. that was the end of Andrew having a Wii. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just thinking about getting a Wii. Yeah, too. we were just like, we should get a Wii. But never. I mind. was really grateful no, that I, I was one of the three people who purchased the Wii U because I can still play my Wii games. That's <laughs> fair. We should still get a Wii, though. Yeah, we should. But I miss Wii Fit games. They were fun. I think I can say that we all agree with two first answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think that 16. That just like kind of encapsulates the entire conversation. Oh, yeah. Uh, two for one. The 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 comments of the year and uh, <laughs> the year. Oh, it's only May. Oh, no. I already wow. gave that to Felix check because he uh, he commented oh my, my mustache. God. So you I just just you've demeaned the value of your oh, own. Oh, no. I'm sorry, two for. But Felix still won because he commented my mustache. Uh, so. <laughs> As I'm still getting a little bit uh, tired and woozy, and I'm still sniffling, and I'm getting actually a little bit warm. So, I think that brings us to closing thoughts. Okay. Because Adam's dying. I'm dying a little bit. I'm starting. I feel like tomorrow is going to be. I, I hope tomorrow is Well, you'll be. probably be better tomorrow. I hope so. I do. It'll have been two days since we got our shots. Uh, also, not complaining about the the thing. I'm not going to be one of those people on Twitter like, oh, man, oh, the, the side effects on the, the shot was worse than what I got before. I'm like, I'm not complaining. All I'm saying is what I'm feeling. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, It is affecting the show. <laughs> it could be also be allergies, too. It's probably a mix. It's probably a mix. Yeah. Both so, coming at once is not a great thing. Oh, no. Thing. Yeah. Should have done this sooner. <laughs> so... We're going to go into closing thoughts. Thank you, Tufer, by the way. I I think Andrew definitely agrees with you. I think we should sell these older games, you know, just for five bucks. That's it. Kind of like what Xbox is doing with old Xbox games. Mm-hmm. Like, you can buy Knights of the Old Republic port for ten bucks, and that's amazing. Great. Yeah. But, okay, that brings us to closing thoughts. So, I'll go. Liz will go. Andrew will have the last words on the show. But, really... Here's the thing about this. When we talk about can retro game franchises work in modern games, I think retro games can work in modern games as much as developers want to make them work. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just make it a port? Do you want to just you know dip your toes first just to see if it will work? I don't think that's the right case to do it. I think it's great for your boy because I would love a remaster of Jet Set Radio Future and Jet Grind you know, radio, you know, Jet Set Radio, the first Dreamcast game. Sure, whatever. I would love those. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way to do it. 
I think the way to really bring out retro game franchises is the way that we saw from Crash Bandicoot, the way we saw from Ratchet and Clank, the way we're seeing it in Skyrim being sold for the 35th time. <laughs> uh, really just bring it to modern consoles. Yeah. But not only that, tell a new story. Use the technology. Bring mm-hmm. up these uh, old games. I would love Glover on the Xbox Series X, if that is a thing. Oh, Nintendo Switch. Oh, Glover on the Switch. Oh, what are we doing with our lives? Glover on Switch. Glover should be on the Switch. Glover should be on Switch. Anyways, okay. Remastered. I don't think we need a remake. Glover on Switch. But, or like what Pokemon Snap is doing. Yeah. Use the technology that we have and just make a new game. And that's the way you can really test the market. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, just giving a remaster package can only, only do so much. Yeah, true. But what do you think? No, I completely agree. I think that retro games can succeed in today's market yeah if you do it right yeah you don't just throw out a game and say oh look like it's a retro game and look we made it available to you but like go off the ones that were really popular mm-hmm. in the early 2000s ones that like everyone loved everyone flocked to yes and say look your childhood is back yeah your childhood has returned and that's and again that's why i think everyone is like in love with pokemon snap right now because it's like <gasps> my childhood yes in my like but it's on this and it's great and Mm. i love it and you know so i think they can succeed if it's done right and i don't know exactly what is right until i see it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know you have to choose delicately i yeah i agree andrew your closing thoughts yeah i mean i think a lot of a lot of kind of the direction both of you were going um i think that they should have a set of minds looking through their their game catalogs Mm -hmm. and seeing what is there and look at each one is it a part of a bigger franchise does it have more of a fan base if it has that then then look at the ways you could do a remake or a reboot or a remaster or whatever you want to do look at what would improve that game what would how would it lend itself to some modernization and would it still be able to work? And that can be the way you dip your toes in versus Mm. if it's a game that people are quieter on, or if it was a a one-off and you're not hundred percent sure, I just, I don't think there's an excuse to not port most things. I don't think it takes that much manpower or energy. I would pay three, five, 10, depending on the game for some of my old things to be accessible to me again. Yes. Like, I just it's a small way to make money for I, I what I think is a relatively small amount of labor, unless mm-hmm. I'm really wrong. If you're a game developer and you have worked on a port and it took you um, all of your energy and your life savings poured into it, please feel free to DM me and I will release a public statement that I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. But okay. I think it seems like a relatively simple just porting it and mm-hmm. making it accessible nowadays. Like it feels like we're locked out of so much of gaming history mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And so much of our gaming childhoods and that. And and so do that. And then if if that happens to blow back up, oh my goodness, maybe you have a franchise to revive and now you can do your investors will now support mm. you making a new one in that series. Yeah. And then you've got another thing instead of just the 35th release of Skyrim. Yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's I mean it can be anything it can be any kind of game the the concepts of games like that's why we have stuff in genres and why gameplay tends to follow formulas mm-hmm. i mean the reason that doom is still the the doom 2016 reboot is an excellent example mm, of how to true. do it. it 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 honors a lot of what the original one did 
while quality of life improvements and speed improvements made it a fast-paced, fun version of what Doom could be. Mm. So it's like, I just I just don't think there's an excuse to not be porting things and, and find ways to make things accessible and, and let people play these things. Because the only way is that so many of my favorite old games are, are accessible now are through emulators, mm. which are a process. If you aren't good with computers or if you don't know how that works, it's not always easy to get that going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think emulators are the ideal, especially when developers, you could probably be getting $5 a pop for some of these games. And that's adds up eventually, you know? So yeah. I just, I wish, I think it is a lot. I do think it comes down to what, what Nikki said, mm. as sad as it sounds, bravery, just yeah. do it, do yeah. it. And, and don't base everything on everything has to be the next biggest project and mm-hmm. be the most marketable thing and make the most money. Mm-hmm. Find small ways to keep money coming in. We hear about game developers struggling with money all the time. Great. Find small ways that require minimal amounts of labor yeah. to get little sources of revenue in. It's, yeah. It seems common sense to me. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Andrew, we thank you again for coming on this week's show. Mm -hmm. Of of course, this is uh, whoever's counting. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna count on Nikki. I was gonna say Nikki probably knows how many times. Nikki, how many times has Andrew been on the show? But you know, for the thousandth time. Andrew, uh, you know, thank you for coming on the show. But before we get the the, the, the ball rolling on Sleepy Time, we want to roll out the red carpet for you. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we stalk you? Where Where's all of your content? Uh, let's hear all of it. Go. Yep. Um, I am at Andrew Orsi on Twitter and also on Inst- a fairly silent Instagram. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> um, if you want to... I know I've been teasing the idea that I might stream over the past like four months <laughs> and we're still here not doing it yet. But um, my, my Twitch handle is iron dad one. If you want to like follow and find out if I'm ever going to do it, that's where it would be fair because I'm, I'm bringing dad energy to the queers on my Twitch. That's my goal. Um, <laughs> um, and then if you want to follow my acapella group, uh, we are black to gold music on Instagram um and you can find us black to gold on spotify we've got three singles out now nice. one of them is a finalist in the acapella open for 2021 hey. which is tomorrow night so by the time this episode comes out Ooh. we either won or lost hey. yay us or all <laughs> uh, i'm gonna estimate that yay Yay. Yay, Andrew. I don't think estimate the like right word. That yay. I, I yeah. think there's at least one other. I know one of our, com- like, I've seen all of our competitors already. Yeah. I think there's one that is the winner. Uh, it's not that I don't think we're good. They're just really good. Yeah. <laughs> now, before before I uh, we end the show, Andrew, was that other competitor? Andrew, you understand that that was a mirror, right? That that wasn't. What? Yeah, no, that wasn't a computer screen. That was a mirror. That, that was what you. What is a mirror? Please explain mirrors to well, me. Well, like there's this piece of glass that's reflective. Okay, now when you sing, you might see yourself singing. So it's not actually not a, another person. It's actually you. No, I don't believe that. My dog would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were the winner the whole time. Oh, wow. Christopher Nolan. Oh no. Okay. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna end the show here because I gotta sneeze. So. <laughs>
Well, thank you for listening to this week's uh, Games of Groceries episode. I legitimately almost said, what's the biz? Uh, thanks for listening to this week's Games of Groceries. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Gaming Groceries, or on Instagram. I share things on there sometimes. Uh, Games of Groceries, all one word. And Andrew Orsi, for the, you know, for the thousandth time, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we hope you you're never going to come back. This is your last time, by the way. You say that every time. Bye, everyone. Oh, just, 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 thank I'm for actually the- leaving the internet tomorrow. <laughs> thank God. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> thanks again for listening to this one. Be sure to follow Andrew on all the socials. Um, He's going to come back. Pretty sure he's going to come back. It, yeah. It's it's final at this point. But thank you for listening to this week's episode. You know, uh, just stay safe out there. Keep striving. Keep gaming. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye.